So here's a question to warm you up and get you in the mood. As a Jesus follower, what do you want to be like when you're old? Now, before we go uh, and answer that question, just turn and look at somebody next to you who's old. Just, just like look really hard at somebody's. Shut up. Now look at me. Just look hard at somebody who's old. Say, all right, now when I'm as old as that ancient relic, what do I want to be like? What do I want to be like? So what, as a Jesus follower, that is, what do you want to be like uh, when, when you're old? I'll give you eight seconds to think about it and be, be brilliant. Go. Eight seconds. What do you want to be like when you're old as a Jesus follower? You want to be healthy, healthy. And if we're thinking about the kingdom life, the life of faith, healthy, well, that brings up all sorts of other things, like what goes into health. All right, great response. That's a good one. What else? Joyful. When I'm an old believer, when I'm a a silver-haired fox of a believer, I want to be joyful. What else? Teachable. Teachable. You want to be a lifelong learner, which means you need to be teachable your whole life. So that's a good one. You want to still be learning stuff at a high level uh, when... Uh, when you're old. What else? You want to be powerful. Now that's interesting. That's interesting. That's one that you'd want to unpack. What does it mean to be powerful? First impression, Robin. You want to be ministering well all the way through the finish line. All right, what else? Fearless. Good one. Good one. Yeah, because that happens, doesn't it? As you get older, sometimes you get a little more conservative, a little more timid, right? Um, but in some senses, you get older, you got less to lose. <laughs> um, so yeah, be fearless. All, that would be so cool. That would be cool. That's a good answer. What else? Patient. patient. And people often get more patient when they get elderly, which is counterintuitive because you should get impatient. When you've got five, six years left, you should be very impatient, right? Yeah. Don't look at anyone. All right, one more answer. Who's got the best answer? Oh, Gigi has the best answer because she is old. <laughs> I'm doing my best to make sure Gigi is thick-skinned when she's old. That's my job. What, what do you want to be like when you're old? Still influential. Brilliant. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty good Gigi answer, isn't it? Still influential. When you're, all great questions. You know, uh, you got one more? Still relevant is another great way to put it. You still want to be uh, influential, important, uh, referential, all sorts of uh, great words. I asked this question in my Ohana group, and uh, one thing that came out there, I'm surprised didn't come out here, is like when I am an old believer, I want to have all of the best stories. I just said, did you have that one? Nah, you're too shy. Uh, You want to have tons of stories. You want to have a story... Uh, for every situation you come across, right? Some sort of, which is a way of saying experience. You want to have huge amounts of experiences to draw from. Uh, So you want to be super experienced. That's nice. Almost all of you, maybe maybe a couple of you didn't, but almost all of you responded with virtues. Say, what do you want to be like when you're old? And because, you know, we're all really, really good Christians here. Um you make answers that have to do with your character, right? Because we associate character with maturity. And that's, that's pretty good, pretty good way. 
Um, it strikes me, it was the same at, at my Ohana group, it's been the same of everyone that I've asked during this week. When I first thought of the question, I did not respond uh, with a virtue. I said, I want to be really competent. I want to be really, really good at my job, which is a little bit like being influential or powerful, I think. I want to be super skilled, super skilled uh, at, at what I do. Does that make sense? Do you think that's true? I want to be better at all of the kingdom things that I do than I've ever been. Like, at 98 years old, you know, I still want to be, like, ministering to the marathoners running next to me. Um, I want to have all the answers. I want to be supernaturally powerful in epic proportions. You know, and, and you kind of should be when you're old because all of the things that make you skillful as a minister should not diminish with time, but they should grow with time. Um, so I, I just like to be super competent. Um, when it comes to uh, my life in the kingdom, trying to live as a Jesus follower, trying to live as a spiritual person according to, uh, to following Jesus, there is nothing in the world I like more than finding a person who knows more than I know. I just absolutely love it. There's nothing that I like better than finding a person who's more powerful than I am. And I would, I would travel halfway around the world just to hang out uh, with a, a person like that. Um, I want to be able to call someone who has the answers. I, I have a huge craving in life. And one of the frustrations that I come across, just to be very honest with you, not, not that you know, I'm super smart and super wise, but like, there are very few people in my life that I can call with the expectation that they will have the answer to my gnarly situation. Is that true uh, for you? Think about this for a second. Um, how many people do you know who are not simply good people, but who are reliably wise and powerful in the way that you need. Not, not simply good people. Although good people are the best people, right? I mean, that counts for a lot. But uh, I think like my, I had a great grandmother when I was growing up. Uh, everybody in my family had babies in their teens. So we had like five generations in my family when I was small. And I had a great grandmother named Jane, Sarah Jane, um, who is like just the best-hearted person ever. And even as a kid, as a kid, I used to just like to sit with her, and uh, and just listen to her talk, because she was just such a grandma, right? Do you, you guys ever have a grandma like that? If you did, like you feel very blessed, uh, have a grandma like that. And then some of you knew uh, my grandmother. Uh, she died just a couple years ago. And as she got older, she got that quality about her. She had this really good character and was fun just to sit with. Um, but Nana Jane was, she was childlike into her 90s. Um, but I wouldn't ask her to solve a problem for me. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Right? You went there just, just to sort of enjoy her heart. Right? But she wasn't like a guide, uh, except in like you, she modeled character, you know? 
So that's not, I'm not talking about the Nana Janes of the world. The person that you can go to, it's like, like the best coach, most powerful imparter ever. How many people like that do you know? How many of you can think of any? That fascinates me. Because if the family of God were really, really good at maturing, we should have tons of those people around. Tons of those people. You know? It's what the, the Apostle Paul calls being a, a spiritual father. He was a father, so he's being self-referential. I presume that you could say a spiritual parent, spiritual mom, or something like that. But he said to his protege, Timothy, in a verse that maybe a lot of you know, Timothy, you have many teachers, but you only have one spiritual father, right? Mature parents, so to speak, are rare on this planet. And I conclude it takes a little bit to become one, you know? It takes a little bit of effort. It takes, it takes a little bit of experience. It takes uh, a, a lot of the virtues that you named, right? The, the teachability, the learning, the the patience, uh, the joy, you know, the stamina. In addition to, you have to get really powerful. You have to become really influential, and you have to figure out how to do that over time. So when I think about finishing well, one of the questions I ask myself, am I becoming more powerful? Am I more influential in my mid-50s than ever? Will I be, in my mid-60s, more influential and more powerful you know, am I the sort of person that people will travel around the world to come and just kind of be with and get some parenting in the best sense of that word, to get some actual maturity? And we all have different gifts, we all have different ministries, we all have different roles, but there's something about that I think should be common for us. When we get older, we should want to be super powerful, influential, parental impartational sort of people. Are you following me? Everybody get the idea? Right? Turn to somebody next to you and say, oh yeah, 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 that's good. <laughs> Actual fathers and mothers are so, so rare. So we're in this sermon series on how to finish well, not just end well, quack, but finish well. Uh, and we've talked about, you know, one of the things, you're just going to have to figure out how to navigate life. Jesus just figured it out as he went. We want to be good figurers. Uh, but finishing well is largely a matter of unceasing ministry, ministering without break all the way through. Um, unto getting into eternity, we want to qualify for eternal life, and we want to have heavenly treasures when we get there. And Jesus says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, so we want to have you know, mountains of wealth when we arrive. Don't even know fully what that means. The Bible tells us we won't be able even to imagine what it means, but we want to get in to eternity and we want to have uh, a lot of wealth, a lot of joy, a lot of rest waiting uh, when we get there. Last week we talked about, well, one thing that you can do to make sure that you stay fresh in ministry your whole life long is to always, always, always have one or two you know, non-believers that you're trying to gather in at all times. There's nothing quite like that to keep you on point, to make you show up, to keep you fresh, to keep you growing. And uh, there's tons and tons of Jesus' teachings about that. 
and um, tons of advice in the epistles about that. So this week we're going to talk about what to shoot for as you age, because if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. Uh, and so what is it that we're trying to do as we get closer and closer to the finish? Well, we're trying to get better. And, and I think in particular, we're trying to get more competent at what we do as kingdom ministers. I'd like to read uh, one of my favorite passage in the epistles uh, from uh, Paul's uh, second letter to Timothy. Uh, so it'll be 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, and I'll just, I'm just going to read the whole chapter. And this will kind of be our scriptural reflection for the day. Make a few observations about this. Share an application point and we'll be done. Uh, what's happening in uh, Paul's letters to Timothy, uh, which the Bible has collected for us, is that Paul is sharing personal advice with a, a young protege. At this point, Paul is getting up there. He might even be in his 60s at this point. Second Timothy is often considered his final epistle, although people kind of argue about exactly the timing of it. Paul's in jail at this point. He's, he was jailed a number of times. Uh, for preaching the gospel around the world. He's in a Roman jail right now. And um, probably he didn't get out. Probably this was his last internment. And uh, he was beheaded by uh, the Romans during Nero's persecution of the Christians. So this is getting right to the end. And Paul is giving, again, personal advice to a guy he knows really well. And we get to kind of eavesdrop on that. It's kind of like reading personal emails from... Paul, kind of the senior dude, the best church planner ever to his young protege. And I really like chapter two. It's just sort of a riff. He just kind of goes off. It's not super organized because, again, it's just kind of a personal email. But uh, he's talking about how he's, he's imprisoned in Rome and a few people are helping him, although a lot of people have abandoned him. But he says, you know, it's important to stay going. It's important to stay loyal. It's important to stay faithful. And then we pick it up at the beginning of chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So right away, he sets the tone for, for this section. He says, I'm speaking to you as father to son. Right? So you've got to be faithful. Now, let me talk generationally. I'm going to be a real dad now. Son. Calls him son. You then, my son, be strong. In grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace means you're not going to get it perfect. There's a clear standard, uh, but we're going to be generous about applying it. But dang it, we're going to apply it. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. You then, son, Pass on what I've given you. Go make your own sons and daughters, presumably. Um, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Paul is sharing some of his illustrations and analogies, all of which you find elsewhere in his epistles, and which Timothy has probably heard him use a hundred times. It's like, look, I've told you before, we want to live this life like a soldier, like an athlete, like a farmer. 
What is it about these occupations, these vocations? Well, there are, they're all hardcore, right? They all desire, require a lot of intensity, a lot of faithfulness, a lot of stick to Be a soldier. Uh, join me in suffering. <laughs> That's a great invitation. Uh, be a soldier and don't get involved in like civilian affairs. You know, try to, you know, oh, please your commanding officer, who of course would be Jesus in this analogy. You know, life is mission and sacrifice. Elite soldiers understand this. So too, be an athlete. Well, what do you know about athletes? Well, they're, they're into performance. You know, just like soldiers, they're into results. Soldiers are life and death results. And, and athletes are like, they have to give their all to win. You know, think about the athletic lifestyle. This is an analogy that Paul uses a lot. Here he says, um, um, if you compete as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Like, be an athlete in life. There is a proper way to go about things. That's essentially what he's saying. Right? Don't kid yourself, dude. Come on. And then be a farmer. You know, you know we all know farmers. Super hardworking lifestyle up before dawn. Like, you have to be on it every day if you're a farmer. But what he says here is the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive, receive a share of the crops. In this life, if you work really hard on the mission, the mission provides for you. Right? This is the way to make it. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that you need to, you know, have a fat bank account and take care of that before you do ministry and stuff like that. All great analogies. Uh, he goes on. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, is descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. He's in jail. But God's word is not changed. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Look at me. I'm in chains for the gospel. Obviously, I'm living like a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, we will also, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he'll remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is a, a punchy saying. Like in the Greek, it would have sounded a little cooler, a little, a little more rhythmic. It's a bumper sticker. And that's one thing that you know, fathers pass to sons, you know. Little, little sayings, little, little witticisms and stuff like that, and Paul used a lot of them. Keep reminding them of these things. Now he's talking about how Timothy should pass it on. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. And here's another great analogy that Paul uses sometimes. Be a workman. Be a craftsman. Be good at your job. That's maturity. Be good at what you do. should be hyper-skilled at this kingdom thing. One who, handles, uh, who correctly handles the word of truth, uh, which in this context wouldn't just be like scripture, that's what we think of as word, but the whole message of Christ in word and in deed and in lifestyle. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. There's a great 
analogy. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They say the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Even in the early days, there were all these cults and things, these spinoffs. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, are there not there are articles not only of gold and silver, but of wood and clay. Some are for noble purpose and some are for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Again, a statement of what Paul considers the proper measure of maturity in life. If you are mature, you're useful and you're ready for anything that comes up. You have the answers and the know-how for anything. That's the mark of maturity in Paul's mind. Flee the evil desires of youth. In other words, grow the heck up. Flee the evil desires of youth. Man, I think that should be the motto of every college in America. Wouldn't that be great? As opposed to, now that you're 19, you know everything. That probably not a great motto. But it's like, now you're going to have to grow up, kids. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. Here's the only statement on character that he makes in this whole riff about maturity. You do have to have a good character. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce war quarrels and the Lord's servants must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading to knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Here, I think he's making reference to a tragedy that I see a lot. As people get older in the Lord, they think maturity means being very, very clever about theological arguments and biblical secrets and stuff like that. Their knowledge gets ever more esoteric and specialized. And Paul's saying maturity in the kingdom of God is not to become an expert in arcane things. It is instead to become a better workman than you've ever been, more useful than ever. And a lot of people, as they get older, they just get weirder <laughs> about they, how they understand the Bible and stuff like that. Don't fall into that. Anyway, that's just kind of a riff. You know, soldier, athlete, farmer, workman. Don't be common, he says, right? Don't be an article for daily use. Be an article that's set aside for noble use. Don't be common. Don't be common. Be different. Grow up a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Clearly, Paul's emphasis is on work and usefulness here. That's, the, that's his parting advice to his spiritual son. Timothy, above all, be useful and be more and more useful as you age and train other people in the same life. And then pretty soon he signs off for the last time, you know. So, you know what I want uh, uh, as an older believer? And I'm getting there, people. I'm getting there. And like a lot of us who are getting older, I feel a little bit behind. 
I feel like I need to play catch up. But what I really want as I get older is to become increasingly competent, increasingly skillful, increasingly useful in kingdom ways. You know, I would love it if any of you came to me, I would give you the right answer every time, by which I mean the most useful answer, which was what Jesus did. You know, he like very rarely answered the question he was asked, but he always said the answer that was the most useful to the person in front of him. Like he always knew what to say to change a life, always. I want to be able to do that. I want to have enough supernatural power to provide the miracle that you need, whatever it is. You know, whether it's, you know, prophetic revelation or healing or just to be filled with the Spirit and to be powered up and stuff like that. I want to be competent. I want to be, you know, like Jesus was when people came to him. I want to be a kingdom minister according to my, my portfolio, you know, my profile, my job description, which, of course, is going to be slightly different than your job description. We all need to walk according to our calling and our gifts. And we talk about that a lot at Blue Water. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, but we all should have stories. We should all have tremendous wisdom. We should all have tremendous power. You know, ultimately, we should all be fathers and mothers of a sort. Whether we're leading groups of people or just there for one person at a time. I was thinking of kind of like analogy to, to make this concept real to us. And, and the nearest one I could come up with is being a really, really great coach. You know, like those of you who are athletes, have you ever had a coach who just produced an extraordinary number of great athletes? Like they just took these milk toast kids and turned them into high performers and made them love it and stuff like that. Of course, that's athletic coaching. There can be all sorts of different coaching, can't there? Someone who changes life, who like molds people. You know, we could say teachers do the same thing, but sometimes we think of teachers as just giving you expertise in a subject. You know, whereas a coach kind of needs to develop the whole person, right? Like if you're going to be a great athlete, you need to be strong, you need to be fast, you need to be skilled at whatever your sport is, but you also need to be really disciplined. You also need to be, you know, generous and team-oriented and all of those other things if you're going to last. So, you know, that's what I think of. Uh, a great coach or a great parent, you know, because, of course, parents should do the same thing with their kids, you know, not just to protect but to develop in a big... Anyway, I like to be that... So how do we apply all of this stuff, this riff? Uh, how do we become ever more competent as we get older? Well, we know we're competent at something if, we, if, it, if it works, right? If we produce fruit with it, right? So one measure is we want to get more and more fruitful. What are some examples of competencies or skills at which you can get better in life? Let me ask that question. Or I could ask you a, a more basic question. What kingdom thing are you really good at? Pretty good at. You feel like, yeah, this is kind of a, this is kind of a skill for me. What kingdom thing are you really good at? You know, it could be something like truth. I'm just really great at truth. I'm, I just, I reveal things to people. I teach things in a way. And I'm, I'm just really great at making people see truth. Or I'm great at teaching, which is a very similar skill. I'm great at healing people. I'm great at impartation. I'm great at relationships, you know, and relational wisdom and stuff like that. Could be anything. What kingdom thing are you good at? Think about it. Tell me. What kingdom thing are you good at? 
brash, brag. Who's got Mike? Maintaining the temple. If you know Mike, you know what he's saying. He's like, there's this gift in the Bible called the gifts of helps, right? Just kind of, there's always a guy who makes everything work. Whatever it is, Mike's that guy, right? Right? Like, and we know this because Mike's been around a while. What else? Is this a hard question? Or are you just being humble? Encouragement. Encouragement. Yeah, that's true. Erica is a very encouraging person. And encouragement can be like a nice pat on the head, or it can be to give someone courage, which is what the word literally means, which is a very, very deep and meaningful thing. And Erica's not bad at that, actually. Yeah, what else? Al? Say, say it again. Seeing the heart behind the question. That. Yeah, I mean, you call that discernment, but that's really interesting, right? Seeing things at a deeper level, having those sort of one-step-down conversations and insight, and if you know, Albert, you know, kind of how his mind works and stuff, I can see why you're saying that. You'd want to, like, unpack that for people a little bit, but, but that's an interesting answer, and it's sort of a coachy sort of answer. I like that. John? Supporting other people in what they want to do. So this is sort of a, a helps or an encouragement. That is probably a lot involved in that. Yeah. Being a really good listener, which is interesting. I suppose if you're a good listener, you get people to say what they ought to say, um, which is a unique skill. That's kind of fun. Was there a hand over here? Who else? Is this a hard question? Yeah? No? Here's why I asked the question. Oh, Karen has an answer. Uh, making space for prayer. Making space for prayer, yeah. Which leads to doing prayer and ministering in prayer. And yeah, Karen is exceptionally good at that, I happen to know. The reason I asked this question is, is because if one of our goals is competency in something, then and we want to grow in that as we get older, then all of us have to know what our business is. Right? Not just what our gifts are, but what our business is. Because your gifts don't determine what you do. Your gifts only determine how you go about doing what you do. Uh, so what's your business? What are you supposed to be about? Do you know your business? And are you getting really, really great at it? A lot of us have jobs. You know, John has taught choir to youth for 20 years 22 years are you better at it than when you started do the kids sing better (laughs) which would be the fruit of his labor right and then of course because we know john are the kids learning more about life in your class than they ever have and i've seen john in one or two classes and i don't know sometimes i think does he teach music or does he teach attitude in life to these kids. Um, yeah, okay, because that's your job. But I know John Roberts, and that's not his business, right? His business, his ministry is even more than that, just as how he makes his living. But do you know what your business is in life? Do you know what your job is? And are you going to be more skilled at it when you're 80 uh, than you are now? 
What's your business? Whatever it is, pursue it like a soldier, like it's life and death. Pursue it like an athlete. Hardcore training every day, results-oriented. There's a proper way to go about it, right? You can't cut corners, you know? Or like a farmer, you know, up before dawn at it, looking at the crop. It's always about the crop. It's not how you feel. It's not even what you do. It's what you produce, you know? The farmer's faithfulness. Or like a workman. Just no need to be ashamed, Paul says. You want to be uh, a workman approved. His or her uh, labor. That's the attitude that, that we need to bring to it if we're going to finish well. Paul has lots of uh, passages like that. Uh, I've meditated on them for decades. I like to think that they've shaped my life, and uh, I hope that they, they shape yours. Uh, Father God, I pray that for all of us, you would be um, a great parent that you would be a super skilled coach, that you would be competent in our lives and we'd be respond, responded to you. Responsive. I pray you make us all really great at what we do. Uh, and we set our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our energies uh, toward becoming increasingly skilled in the ways of the kingdom uh, to bring truth to bring love, to bring power, to bring healing uh, and rescue to those who need it. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen.